Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But do people laugh at you when you get to the coffee shop and you take your your treadmill out and put it on the table? <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to episode 60 of the More Than Just Co podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by my co-host Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hey, 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 how's it going? And I'm also joined by my How's It Going co-host, Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we're also joined by Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a trendsetter. I'd, I'd really love to know, though, how is it going? <laughs> that is the that answer is the to life. That is the yeah. question. How is, is it going? That is, how's it going? So I started populating um, the other app store the other day. I know you mentioned it the other day. In, yeah, in yeah, Twitter. I was just thinking about that because of the, um, oh, who was it? Uh, I'm going to say Instagram. Like, they really screwed up their, their iOS 9 release from the looks of things. So they had really? their release notes. It was just a thing on Twitter because it showed like over the course of uh, less than two weeks about five or six releases. Mm-hmm. And all the release notes were the same, iOS 9 fixes. So yeah, yeah. You, you know developers sometimes, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know, they... They apply a fix, or they they do their work. They yeah. they post to the app store. They find a bug. Uh, yeah. They they post an update. Uh, find another bug. Post an update. Find another mm-hmm. bug. Um, mm-hmm. You know they're not testing their stuff right properly. Well, there's that. I could say something about that, and I will when you when you get your point out. <laughs> Eventually, I'll get my point out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the the noteworthy thing is that you don't if you if you put an app update on the app store, you're waiting at least a week, right? But not if you're Instagram. You put an update through and it gets reviewed immediately because they were like one day after another. Other app store. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I, you're right. I, the other day I looked at my phone and it was like 46 updates. And I went, well, what's this? And I just started you know, updating the ones that I use every day. And then I thought, well, what are they doing? And I, so I started, I started reading what, was, what changes. And it was all bug fixes, bug fixes, iOS 9 compatibility and, and stuff like that. And what I was going to say was that 
we had a release that we targeted. Uh, we, I built it in Xcode 6 because I knew I was still supporting, quote unquote, 7, air quotes, and 8. And that had to do with some of the you know new deprecated code in, in Xcode 7. I didn't want to go down that path of because iOS 9 hadn't shipped officially yet, right? And I think I mentioned that my client downloaded iOS 9 onto her phone, and she found that there was a bug in uh, one of our one of our view controllers wasn't working properly in store, and so we fixed it. And but again, that's what I was sort of saying, Aaron, that it may be that some people are just catching up to where iOS 9 is, and they may not actually be testing through. Xcode seven for those same reasons that we're we're holding back a bit, right? Okay, check the um, check the Skype there. That's a link to the tweet that uh, brought this all on. Oh yes, yes, I've seen this. Yeah, so you can see like the um... <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating <laughs> mm-hmm. between the the fifteenth and the October second, fifteenth of September to October second, there were one, two, right. three, four, five releases of Instagram. Um, right. And you can see, like, it was 7.6, Yeah. And uh, the, the the last four of them all have the same release notes. Support for iOS 9, iPhone 6S, and iPhone 6S Plus. Right, um, right. Implying, of course, that they effed up every one prior to 7.7.2 in some mm-hmm. way. Um, but then managed to get it rammed through the uh, review process in no time flat. Like, two in one day. Look at that. The 28th of September, two releases in one day. Well, I, I do know that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not excusing this other. This made. I don't know, mega app store. I don't know. We have to come up with a name for it. The real app store. It's the um, other app store. The proprietary app store. Okay. <laughs> I was at WWDC two years ago, and one of our, our friends of the show from um, was here working on an app. Was there working on an app, and they had just done a release, and he actually went to. They found a bug in it, and so he went to the lab, and the lab actually put it through in a couple of hours. So it, it is possible to get stuff rushed through, like you know, with, with yeah. great expediency. Rather than rather than I'm talking about I'm not talking about an expedited review, I'm talking about he actually went to the people's desk and said, "Hey," and they said, "Sure, we'll do whatever we can." So there obviously is a mechanism for doing well, that's at the conference, right? right? I mean, that's totally a special case. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about the fact that it's at the conference. That just happened to be convenient that it was there. But just to prove the point that it is possible for if you know got the right phone number or you've got the right contact or you have the right pull in the case of say an Instagram or whatever, um, you're going to get preferential treatment, right? Well, that's demonstrably true. Yeah, especially when it's when it's a, a showcase piece as Instagram was in the last review, last release of the you know the introduction of the iPhone six plus, right? Because they had the um, they had Instagram on the stage, right? So, you know, so they have Apple has a they have a part in making sure that that app runs smoothly as well. I guess. I guess so. Well, that's fine for yeah. Instagram. Well, and you really can't blame Apple for that, right? I mean, if if you have a finite yeah. amount of resources to do approvals, which Apple does, uh, what mm-hmm. are you going to do first? Are you going to do the ones that has millions of customers using it, or are you going to have the one that has a you know a few thousand, or ten, or, or five, or, or, ten. or one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you can't blame them. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I mean, well, given given the set of resources they've elected to have, right? So, well, they and the design decision to have resources be the limiting factor. Given those two decisions, if you assume that those are correct and and valid decisions, then yeah, I wouldn't blame it at all. It's like obviously something's going to impact five hundred million users is much more of a problem than something that impacts a handful. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Right, 
And I think that's that's where you know I'm willing to concede that there, there's going to be exceptions to the rule in that sense. I mean, if it's an if it's an app that's used by like like you said a bazillion people around the world, then sure it needs to have some sort of. And I'm sure it does get Apple's attention simply because of that too. I mean, yeah. I know I've talked to the iTunes folks here in Toronto, and you know they're more concerned with people who are getting a million downloads a day than ten or one a week. Right. You know, and for obvious reasons, right? Because it reflects badly on their own product. Man, yep. do you think they have like a red phone, like a hotline sort of thing when you get big enough? Just <laughs> <laughs> like a Batman phone, you yes. just pull up and, and get a call from the commissioner. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. yeah. They must be there must be like a bat signal that they turn on and you know over to over Cupertino and then they see it. Oh, you know, I'm just trying to get a hold of us to get that app released through. Oh, sure, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, his his dust bunny under the bed app. Yeah, <laughs> did you read the one about the uh I fix it tear down screwing developers? I don't know if that really applies now because there was another round of um, uh. Apple TVs, I guess you guys heard about that, right? Heard about it. I'm getting one. You are? Well, duh. Duh. So then we have to talk about that. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll save that one. Greg's getting one, too. I heard. Yeah. So uh, well, that's cool. You got, you you managed to actually get a get picketed. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. <laughs> yeah, I just came in on, I think it was on Sunday night at about 1130 at night. Yeah. It was an odd timing. Yeah. It was, it was uh, really... Weird, but uh, I'm happy. I think I should have it tomorrow. Actually, mm. uh, from what the uh, like, it shipped on Tuesday, I think. Yeah. So I should have it tomorrow. My grandson actually, who is by the way a registered developer, went and plugged mine in the other day and started looking at it. But then he got bored downloading Xcode Seven. Yeah. So. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Seven point one, actually, I guess it is the beta. Right. In what way does it screw developers? No, I, I, I fix it, its whole shenanigans. Yeah, so it, Apple's going to think twice about uh, doing something like this again. That, that's the premise of the article. That's the gist of the article. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, but clearly, clearly, I think they didn't because you know they would have. Why would they really? You know, it's kind of like you know some everybody getting punished for somebody talking in the back of a class. I don't know that that necessarily applies here. Hmm. Right? So. Still happens actually. My daughter was complaining about that today. <laughs> How's that? My daughter had that happen to her today. Oh, yeah, getting, like seven getting, seven kids were bad to the supply teacher, and then uh, yeah, the teacher oh, yeah. bitched out the whole class. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Uh, but no, that has nothing to do with the Apple TV. <laughs> there's no justice. There's no justice in the education. There really isn't. It's a it's, no. it's like a dog eat dog world. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like uh, it's it's interesting because you know developers uh, aren't often on the receiving end of free hardware from Apple, right? There's there's so right. few things Apple makes that are cheap enough for them to send to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you know, like say ten thousand of them. We're gonna make ten thousand of these, and we're gonna mail them out to some lucky lottery winners. Um, you know, like I think of the Magic Mouse. They gave that away at Dub Dub, right? Like years Did and years they, ago. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then it makes sense that the Apple TV would be one because it's a developer platform and it's so cheap that why not, right? Um, yeah. For Apple, it's a fairly minor investment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, what's the next thing Apple's going to make? A car? Well, developers aren't going to get one of those, right? So, no, no. No, you They're buy your own. They might get a keychain. Maybe. They're not giving away <laughs> iPad Pros either. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So anything like that uh, is, is a bigger ticket item and they're not going to give it away to develop- developers. Uh, this seems like a one-off and I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think that uh, that it's even going to come up again in the near future. Yeah. But by the way, we're talking about a post that, about iFixit's um, teardown, possibly screwing developers. I'll put a link in the show notes. So, Aaron, did you, did you, did they still do the $1 
check your Visa card thing yep. when you when you order yours. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So like yeah, one one dollar got put on my credit card, and uh, then they put it in the mail. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. is well. Yeah, it did come pretty quickly, if I remember correctly. It was like a couple of days. That's what it is. Uh, Two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's interesting. I mean, it's it's you really have to sort of, it's in the same way that watch is different. The Apple TV is different too. You kind of have to sort of think about. It. I saw a post go by. I didn't really read it, but um, something about the fact that you can't touch the TV. So there's it's a different paradigm. The focus the engine remote. is yeah. is how to navigate. Yeah, you know, and um, I actually um, no, don't know if I should say this. What the hell? Um, <laughs> when I didn't get the Apple TV in the first round, um, I was kind of relieved actually because mm-hmm. then I knew that I, I wouldn't have the um uh the pressure I guess to yeah. to make a magpie version for Apple T V. So mm. um and then having felt that relief I um I thought more about it. I thought, well okay, so what would Magpie for Apple T V even look like? Um and actually came up with some kind of um some roadblocks. Like it's not gonna be just a simple, you know, port, I guess you could call it to Apple TV since that it's based on iOS and also the same APIs, right. but, uh, you know, some differences of course, but, um, the lack of a web browser, um, on the Apple TV is going to make it very difficult because some videos that you store in magpie are simply web, web link references. Links, right? yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. videos that are hosted in places that aren't supported by magpies importer, uh, just, you know, open up a web browser and bring it back, bring you back to it. Uh, so in those cases, I'm not going to be able to show you that that web page, obviously. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have to figure out some way of of indicating that, or not showing it at all, or I don't know. Um, and of course, you can't um, you can't actually save videos on the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only watch them. So in a way, it's easier. But you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of corner cases you got to think about. There's no there's no document saving. I thought there was document saving to the iCloud. Yeah, but drive uh, or whatever it is. But you would only capture okay. video from a website. A website, right? Oh, I you see. I mean, you're, in, your, in the case of your application, I was in, talking about in general. No, in no. Terms Who of cares about save. everyone else? You don't care. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny though. It, it, in, from that same point of view of, of requiring a bit of a paradigm shift in, in your thinking in terms of what you're going to build for it. it I mean, it, it's almost like the multi-touch table that Microsoft came out with a couple of years ago. You know, when, when yeah. about the same time that the iPhone came out, I guess, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and it's like, okay, yeah, who's going to put this big giant box in the middle of their living room and and deal with it? I mean, if you're if you're going to entertain your children, are you going to entertain them with a a TV experience, or are they going to want to just grab an iPad and, and share the iPad? And and I do. There's a lot of I don't know if you ever watched kids play with with this type of technology, or even with you know watching Nintendo or whatever. There's always somebody playing the game, and then a bunch of other people watching. Uh, watching the action, sort of, you know, as the is the is the Apple TV, you know, it's sort of the center of the living room. It's sort of or the family room or wherever you keep your TV, and it's sort of a, it's a, a place where you go and turn your brain off and just look at the pretty lights on the screen, you know. Um, Indeed. How you know how is that going to be? It's not you're not going to sit down and you know work on your your uh, speech for Toastmasters on your Apple TV kind of thing. You know, you're not going to create a word processor for Apple TV. It seems kind of ridiculous, even though you could still use a Bluetooth keyboard, I would assume, and things like that, right? So Yeah, but it makes really no sense, you know, as a productivity yeah. platform, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, points well taken. I don't think that uh, that makes sense at all. I think, um, I think you're going to see a, a huge percentage of the apps be games, right? Yeah, uh, that that seems like a foregone or novelty, some sort of novelty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, in terms of productivity, nah, no way. Um, yeah, I I I just don't see it. But 
who knows? You could be surprised, but uh, I don't think I will be. <laughs> but I mean, in the same sense that we didn't know what the, I mean, I was listening to um, Mike Hurley was talking today on, on uh, I forgot the name of his show on. on um, Depends which one you're talking about. Oh, it's, uh, I'll find it in a minute. But anyway, he was talking about the, he was going through the history of, of the iPhone and the App Store and various things. And he had uh, Marco Armit and a couple of other developers talking about their experience going through those last five years or however long it's been, uh, eight years, I guess it is, right? Nine years. Anyway, um, and uh, what was my point? I don't even know. <laughs> go with, go with uh, 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 oh, seven years, actually, because it started in 2008. Yeah, it was sort of, a, it's about, you know, when Steve, jo- oh, yeah, I remember what it was. Steve Jobs kind of went up there and, and his way of presenting the initial iPhone was, okay, it's, you know, it's a, a music player for your pocket, right? Yeah. It's a touch, it's a phone that you, you know, it, it, he said we're introducing three products. One is the music player with a touchscreen, a widescreen iPod. Yeah, the other one is the other one is a, 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 a telephone. telephone of some type, and the other one was an internet a breakthrough device. internet communication device. Yeah, exactly. And from that point of view, you know, people were kind of okay. I, I get the iPod, and they, there was lots of cheers, and they got the iPhone part. There was lots of cheers, and then there was like, what internet? What you know? Yeah. So my my point is is that in as much as we didn't know going into the iPhone or until he pulled it out of his pocket and kind of went, oh, that's what he means. We didn't know what those applications were going to look like, and then especially when he kind of hobbled us with with uh, you know just making web apps. A, a guy English was was another person on the show, but and he was talking about how he felt. Why am I going to I have to go and learn how to make web tools now because that was not the kind of development he was in at that point in time, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but. You know, and the, and then over the year or two or whatever that that uh, um, the iPhone kind of evolved into something that people use every day. I mean, I you know naturally got one as soon as I could get my hands on one, and I'm sure you guys did too, right? But um, and I rem- I remember the week when Angry Birds hit, not when it was released, but the week when it sort of showed up. I was at an Apple conference actually. And there was a tech support table at the back, and there was like you know eight or nine system engineers from Apple Canada back there, and they were all weren't paying attention to the conference because they were all playing Angry Birds. <laughs> you know, so I mean, so you know what I mean, like, but that was like two thousand nine, two thousand eight, maybe, and it was all of a sudden this kind of took off. It was a year that I did uh, Pi Day Countdown because that was the, the conference I did Pi Day Countdown for. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was same sort of, you know, there wasn't much going on at that point in time. And nobody really knew other than making phone calls and calculating a few things on the calculator and checking out a few pages in Safari and and bitching about the fact you couldn't watch Flash. There wasn't much you could really do with an iPhone out of the gate, right? So at least that's the way it appeared until the app started to come out. I guess where you're going with this is that similarly to how we didn't know where the iPhone app market was going to go, we don't know where the Apple TV app. Or the mm. Apple Watch. Or, well, yeah, okay, we could include the watch too. You know, it's um, different. Different. It's a different paradigm, a different way of, of interfacing with the technology, right? Yeah, but I think by their very nature, the watch and the TV, um, I think it's just not going to be as robust a software platform. Yeah, more passive. Yeah, yeah they're both more passive, especially the TV. You know, um, yeah. yeah, it's much easier to interact with the watch because it's just always with you, right? Like that. That fact that it's on you all the time like the phone is you know mm-hmm. um you know lends it more towards interaction whereas the tv is a passive watching experience and so it's it's really hard to envision a galaxy of apps right like i think yeah. that that formula is only going to work um at its most pure form with the smartphone 
I don't think we're going to see that again for any other platform. It's great that it's there. I mean, no question about it. I mean, there are tons of uses that aren't just um, um, consumer, right? Like, uh, you know, all kinds of um, business uses for an Apple TV with an app platform on it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Do you remember Jim Dovey from, uh, from Taco? This might have no. been before, your, before you started yeah. showing up. Uh, he mm -hmm. actually works for Apple today, uh, and I believe he works on the watch platform. Um, but uh, before he moved to California, he was here in Mississauga. And uh, one of the things that he did was with the original Apple TV, he created a um, – he hacked it and <laughs> <laughs> came up with a way to install his own software on it. Right. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. I, I want to look it up. Um, <laughs> Is there a USB or a USB or Lightning interface on the current Apple TV? Well, the you've got one. What do you? Uh... No, I, it's, yeah, it's, I can't reach it right now. It's <laughs> a long story. Uh, okay, it's called Backrow because uh, the the platform that like Apple's code name for the front end of the original Apple TV was called Front Row, and you remember it was oh, based yes, on yes. Front Row on the Mac. Um, right. And so he created something called Backrow. And uh, Backrow allowed him to sideload arbitrary software onto the Apple TV. Um, yeah. And so he had a little business, actually, working for companies in the States. And you can imagine this. Everywhere you go, right, that has um, you know TVs hung up on the walls yeah. displaying arbitrary information, you know, whether it be um, status boards or um, point-of-sale signs, menus, um, anything like that, you know. Um, that was something that uh, that Jim Dovey knew how to make, and um, he built the software to do it. And then he he worked for companies to deploy it uh, wherever they wanted to, because uh, you can imagine like the cost of an Apple TV, which was you know even even in its earliest days it was like a hundred dollars, right? Yeah. Um, and then you plug that into a, an HD TV, and you've got a very low cost. Um, sort of commercial ready display solution, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, now imagine that, which is a huge market, is now available to anyone who can develop iOS apps, right? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's just one of many markets that I think are now available. And so maybe not something Apple thought about, but it's certainly um, possible at this point. Um, and there's probably all kinds of other applications. Mm -hmm. Think about it. No, definitely. I mean, you're right. Every just about every the hairdresser has a, an Apple TV. I know the law, one of the law offices that I um, was supporting has an Apple TV on the wall with, you know, I mean, a, a, a flat screen TV with an Apple TV behind it. And a couple of agencies that I know run some of their commercials on their Apple TVs. You know, so right. that when clients are waiting to see somebody there, they're watching the the, the work that the agency does. Right. So it makes like. It's a presentation screen for somebody waiting in a, in a situation like that, right? So, you know, and and I've seen Apple. Even Apple does kind of things like that at WWDC. I don't know what they did this year, but they've you know they had network diagrams up on on display. They've had you know one year they had a wall of of apps being released on the store. That was before the hyper table, right? But uh, um, you know it's just a way of of giving people something to do while they're waiting, right? You see. TVs. We have a, a channel here in Canada called um, CP24, which is like a news sort of CNN-ish kind of thing. Um, you know, shows weather and it shows like a current news broad, a news broad, news feed played over and over again, and a little one of those ticker tapes going across the bottom. Traffic. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, you see those in dentist office and waiting rooms and whatever. Just you know, and you know, just a way of keeping people entertained. But you're right, that kind of application for an Apple TV situation. There's a lot of cases where you're standing in line waiting for stuff to happen, right? So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Also, teleconferencing. 
and uh, education. Yeah. You know, any, anything where you anytime we have to interact with someone remotely, and a big screen is is going to help that. Yeah, I think there's um, for Apple TV there's some room for some limited productivity type stuff, and I'm thinking of um, like Joe Chaplinsky from Release mm. Notes. He's got a teleprompter, which would actually work yeah. really well. Much mm-hmm. better on Apple TV than it would on an iPad, right? You don't have to find a way to get it to sit somewhere and, and have it arranged. You could just have it display what you wanted to prompt you with. Maybe have it maybe a side by side showing you your like sure. your keynote slides as well as the notes mm-hmm. that you want to see. Yeah, I mean that's what Apple does at WWDC, and you see that more and more at, at big conferences where they put the small, they put a large screen TV in front of the facing the presenter, and they can sort of see what's going on, right? So. But something that requires like a lot of direct interaction, right, is is just a no go generally. Yeah. Because I mean, you you can use a keyboard with it, right? Like you can sure. activate a Bluetooth keyboard. But I think Apple was saying, like they, we talked about this in the context of game controllers. But I'll bet you it's equally true for keyboards, right? You can't have an app rely on a game controller. You can't have an app rely on a keyboard. It has to be usable with just that Apple remote. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. it's going to be tough to have a word processor. <laughs> well, but that's Imagine said, that I mean, keyboard the, where you kind of scoot around the alphabet with your uh, with your little uh, directional control. <laughs> I I have always used the Apple Remote app on my um, on my iPhone or my iPad. Yeah, yeah. You interact and, and enter text and stuff like that when you're doing a search or what have you. Sure. Um, I really don't use my Apple TV as much as I'm sure other people do, but um you know but when i do it's like i usually fire up the uh the remote on my phone to basically you know manipulate what's what's on the screen especially if you're in netflix looking for a movie or something like that right so absolutely of course yeah but you know when you think about what other apps you know like what other kinds of apps then uh, you do tend to come up a little blank you know um Mm -hmm. you know again games right i can imagine tons of different kinds of games that'll be a blast you know and um That'll be a good experience, I think. And I think it'll be one of the success stories of the Apple TV. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, productivity? No. <laughs> there won't be much of that. I don't know. Maybe maybe Evernote's coming to the Apple TV. We don't know, right? Okay. Yeah, that's they don't run out of money and go out of business this year. Yeah. Look Those guys bad, just start. They, they became uncool, you know? Really? Yeah. What we, happened with Evernote? I missed that. <laughs> well, they just came like, oh, Jaime, why don't you update us? So they've they've had a couple layoffs this year, including what is it like twenty percent of their workforce or fifteen percent, some very large percentage within the last week that they've laid off. Um, wow! And it's, it's just really sad. They've they've really struggled to make the transition from you know being the place where you store your notes and, and sure. kind of do that and the try dabbling into real world stuff like the integration with Moleskine, Moleskine, however that's pronounced, the notebooks that let you, you know, draw on them. And if you got the special ones, uh, Evernote could, you know, clean up your notes and arrange everything just so and, and align everything, even if it was crooked. And they also had, um, I'm struggling to think, they had all sorts of physical goods, like a backpack and other folio notes, you know, all sorts of like businessy type things. Uh, but real products, not not digital products. Um, and I think they've just really struggled to get that to continue to grow. They've struggled to um, move people into premium, you know, because they're very, very generous on the the free option for Evernote. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And it's probably just even worse considering that uh, they kind of got Sherlock by Apple, right? Like, why would you use Evernote if you can just use the Notes app that syncs with everything through iCloud? <laughs> totally true. Because Evernote doesn't lose my notes like Apple Notes does. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> That's a fair point. Have um, you lost notes, Tim? I've lost, yeah, through the various transitions because my, you know, can never, I use, I use a Notes app on my, all my devices and a couple of Macs and, and yeah, I mean, I've, there's entire chunks of, of notes taken at conferences that have just disappeared. I started moving them into Evernote because I can't, I really couldn't trust that Apple would between, you know, mobile me and then iCloud and now. No, no, it was mobile me and, and then, then it was IMAP. And now, well, hey, let's be specific here. We're nerds, okay? So we, we have to be factual, okay? So right. with, we just talked about this last week. Um, sure. Apple has now switched to iCloud to, to store your notes. But before that, it was IMAP. And IMAP is awful. So if you lost your notes with that, then it shouldn't be a terrible surprise. But it was through the different services, what my point was, right? Initially, you know, syn- the syncing was done through the mobile me account, and then that transitioned over to the iCloud account. Yeah. And then, you know, and there was a couple of hiccups in there with iCloud, if you remember back in the early days, right? I've seen a lot of weird stuff when I was on the IMAP notes. Um, notes would uh, duplicate in my list. Yeah. Uh, I'd edit on one platform, and I'd open it up on another one, and there'd be two of them there. Um, yeah. And I'd just delete one, and it's okay. <laughs> just get the most recent version. Yeah, there was, there, there was that time too, and then and, and the, I've noticed now that we're in uh, iOS nine that it's much more uh, much clearer about where the notes are actually being stored because you can actually go like like in the calendars you can go to the top level and see where like it shows me that I've got a notes server downstairs on my dead X serve I've got them on my phone specifically and then I can see that they're on my mobile me account at the same time because I haven't transitioned over to the new the new system but. You know, so I've got 419 notes on my mobile me account, and I've got 234 notes on my my local device. And then I'm sure if I go to my other devices, they're all different too, right? So I was under the impression that I was syncing everywhere, you know, because that's what I had chosen to do, but apparently not. So um, you're an Evernote user now? I, I am, yeah. I switched over to Evernote um, a couple of conferences ago because I started doing my conference notes in Evernote. So right, because I could switch Evernote, between yeah. my iPad and I switch between my my Mac or my iPad, whatever whatever device I had in my hand when I was sitting at the in the chair at the conference, and basically just took the notes right. And then I go and I, and I bought the Moleskin um, book. Uh, my last my current my current you know field notes book, as you like to call it, is is actually a Moleskin Evernote book, right? And it's hmm. it's kind of sad because it's obvious how desperate they are to get people migrated over so i i use evernotes all the time free version because i've I've never hit the the limits of for my meager needs (laughs) um and i swear once a week they put some little ad sort of thing either right at the top uh almost like a little banner ad like hey you should try premium Mm -hmm. it's great "Mm, no i hit the little x and then (laughs) you know you, you install a new version of the app it's like hey Let's figure out what should you use. Should you use basic, premium, or ultra premium, whatever the right hand side mm-hmm. one is? I'm like mm, mm-hmm. basic, and you just keep going on and on and on through this process. Like guys, like I understand I'm not, you know, a real customer because I'm not, you know, I'm not bringing any money into you. I'm yeah. basically a leech. Um, <laughs> but that's not encouraging me to do it. I'm like mm, maybe I should just go to somewhere else. Like what's Dropbox doing? What's Apple doing? Yeah. What's Google yeah. doing? I mean, I, I think I mentioned before that my the very one of the very first apps I installed on my iPad when I got it was Evernote. I didn't even know what it was, right? 
and that's how I, you know, got into, I was actually in California and I had started my first note there. And, um, that's, you know, I mean, had to create an account that was, a, I kind of went, ah, I don't want to do this. And then I was in California for, I think probably one of the conferences down there and I started using it. And that's when I, you know, discovered it and forgot about it for a couple of years and went back to it after when I started having issues with notes and, and, uh, I use a combination, but you know, when I was at 360 iDev recently, I took all my notes in, in, uh, in that and I've taken my notes in WWDC there. So, cause it's easier to find things, right. I find in, in uh, notes, but I still use, I used to use the notes app daily, the Apple notes app daily for all kinds of stuff. Just even writing down web addresses or somebody says to me something to remember, I'll just quickly jot it down in there. Right. So. I tried using Evernote several times over the years, and uh, it just never sticks with me. You know, it feels yeah. like um, when I think of notes, you know, I think of something very simple, quick, and lightweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I'm confronted with Evernote's UI, I feel like it's like <laughs> trying to take over my my life. <laughs> you know, like it's it feels big and clunky. Yeah, yeah. Um, and software feel is something that's really important to me. Like I. I get an impression about software based on how it looks and the UI that it presents to me, right? So, um, you know, it's like having a relationship with someone and, you know, how, how much effort is it to, uh, to, to work with them, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Evernote has always communicated this, like, you know, I'm serious. I'm a professional note-taking machine. And, you know, like, you're, you're going to have to, if you want to do this right, you've got to do everything inside of Evernote. Um, and that's just, you know, no thanks. It's just too much. Uh, that's why I like notes, um, because you know, the, um, the Apple notes, um, very, very simple. And so whenever I, I want to get something down quick, you know, like even for things that, um, pre iPhone, I would get a piece of paper and a pen and just jot down. Um, I, I am programmed now to just go into notes (laughs) wherever with whatever device I have at hand. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and it, it just works. So I don't know. Yeah, like Evernote's in trouble, you know. And the thing is, is that um, you get a sense of um, trending uh, sentiment about companies and applications. And in that regard, Evernote is at a low. Uh, they are not uh, regarded as cool or um, <laughs> successful anymore. And 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 so goes their valuation. So goes their their user engagement. Yeah. I've always sort of seen Evernote as a scrapbook. I don't know if you remember the old scrapbooks of yore where you'd have the newspaper books and you would, like, clip out pictures, and, uh, news headlines, and, you know, just scribbles and leaves that you found on the, on the sidewalk and stick them in your, in your scrapbook. That's kind of sort of how I see Evernote. But the Notes app, like you said, is, yeah, it's just a quick way to grab, grab something, stick a URL in there, email people from them, you know, whatever, right? So you're right. It's, it's, I think if... if if I had my my first choice, my first place, my first go to is the Notes app on the app, on the Apple's app, Notes app, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was actually just looking at the Evernote homepage here, um, <laughs> and they have this like hero image, right? You know, as all sites do, um, and it says your life's work for everything you'll do. Evernote is the workspace to get yeah. it done. Yeah, and then their plans, free plus premium. You know, and this is the kind of stuff that worries me about about investing in these kind of online tools. Like now, you're saying Evernote's in trouble and what have you. Now I'm beginning to think, okay, so what what happens if Evernote closes door tomorrow, and what happens to my stuff, right? Your you know? stuff. <laughs> yeah, like like the thing is, like you know, you have to wonder when these companies form these ideas and build these products. And this is something for our developer fans to, to think about when you're developing a product you have to understand you have to ask yourself of course what the problem is you're solving 
And then you also have to think about it down the road, like what's going to happen if if this doesn't fly? And I've and I've, you know, had millions of people invest in my technology. Like what happens then to those people, right? So well, I think it's like with any um, like a web service, you know, and Evernote yeah. is at its core, it's a web service, right? Sure. Um, you know, and it's uh, it's profligate with its um client applications, but um, it is you know, it's a it's a basically a web app, and um, like any web application uh, with you know, which is a subscription service, they need to offer their users a way out, um, so that if you want to stop using it and and do something else uh mm-hmm. you have a way to get your data out of it in a clean and standards friendly way you know sure. um in evernote's case like you know here's here's a zip file of of rtf documents for example um and now you you have all of your things you haven't lost anything right right um i think that's crucial um you know and i think of uh one of our original examples of a successful web application um basecamp uh, mm-hmm. by 37 signals uh, which has been spun off now it is base camp only <laughs> anyway mm-hmm. uh, this is this is something that they say too like give your users a way out like this is just a, a way to to build trust in the system because that is the first thing that so many people ask when they are looking to adopt a new service okay well I, I want to try you um, to do it I know I've got to like sort of throw myself at it um, but if it doesn't work out I need a way to back away from that without uh, losing everything um, and so having that you know, exit strategy, if you will, um, is is a huge comfort to new users um, as well as old users that uh, that are done with it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. super important. Yeah, um, well, I mean, uh, it, yeah, and and uh, I was going to use an ex- another example. It's kind of similar, I think, in that uh, our our buddies over at Patreon they were exploited oh, know, yeah. in the last week or right. so, and you know we've actually had I've actually we, I mean. I think we have like four people sponsoring us. Thank you very much for sponsoring us. But, um, you know, one of them basically said I'm pulling out of Patreon because I, you know, they they dropped the ball on my stuff. I mean, two sides to that coin. One is you have to understand that whenever you put your, your information out there, it's it's in somebody else's hands. And, and you, you have to have, I mean, you can't really have blind faith that they're going to protect it, right? Um, everybody gets hacked at some point, but in some way, shape or form, you may not just hear about it. You only hear about the ones that are really uh, major stories, right? But there's a situation there. Like a lot of people are depending on a service like Patreon to to support their their livelihoods, right? I mean, I know many artists and and uh, you know smaller creative types who are using Patreon to support their their little meager businesses because they're not really they don't have a product to sell. They want to develop that product to be able to sell, right? Whether it's a piece of artwork or a music piece or a podcast or videos, what have you. Um, and there's a situation where you know, you you have to have faith in the people who are building the service for you that they're going to protect you, right? Or they're going to protect your stuff, right? And but it happens all the time. We hear it from the big companies, and we hear it from the small companies too, right? Totally. Don't lose my stuff. Don't. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Enough about that. How about the right way to ship software? Uh, Jaime, do you want you to tell us about your uh, post here on the right way to ship software? Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's an article by Jocelyn Goldfein, or Goldfein, I'm not sure that's pronounced, who um, is currently an angel investor, but was of interest for this uh, set of folks here, previously an engineering exec over at Facebook at VMware. Mm-hmm. And in her article, she talks about the fact that uh, something we run into a lot in the, in the software development area, if you have you know shops that are, are bigger than just, you know, you or you and your buddy sort of thing. Um, you, you get to a certain size and it starts coming up. It's like, well, we need like 
a process of some sort, even if it's actively choosing not to have a process. And then the next logical question is, well, what's the right way, quote unquote, scary quotes here, <laughs> what's the right way to build software? And, and you'll see a lot of people uh, go check out on Stack Overflow, go check out uh, Hacker News, just Reddit, any place where software engineers come together and talk about how should we build software. People would just like get really, really angry at each other because they generally come from one of two different sides, right? It's what are you trying to optimize for? Mm-hmm. And and I'll choose two different quotes here. They're they're quite good, right? She says, consider consider two of my past lives, right? When uh, VMware was a startup, right? So VMware doing all sorts of things in the enterprise space. Mm-hmm. Um, they needed to have predictability, even at the expense of engineering efficiency. Right. And having whiz bang cool new features like that stuff needed to be rock solid because their, um, you know, their customer base expected to know like, Hey, from the beginning of the year to the end of year, I need to know what I'm going to get for what I'm paying for. If I'm going to choose your product. And then she contrasts that with Facebook where Facebook didn't know, you know, other than its investors, of course, it didn't know anybody, anything, right. It's this free cool thing and move fast and break things as they're, they're well known for. So they had to really get out there and explode out into the market space, uh, the consumer space, in order to get, you know, the large supply of land that they effectively have now, right, where they're mm-hmm. in an unassailable area, essentially, are very easy to defend and very difficult to attack kind of company. Um, and if you get folks from those two sides in the same room, I mean, I've seen it time and again. These sorts of people will kill each other, right? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? This is not the right way we built software. Like, it's irresponsible not to have unit I tests. I think we have people like that on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> and it's good, right? Like, it, it adds for a lot of interesting fuel and a lot of interesting flavor to the discussion of, like, well, you know, it's irresponsible to not have unit tests. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, how can you not have all of these test cases written out or all these business requirements written out? And then you've got the other side. It's like, well, like, it's irresponsible to not ship because you know yeah. we're basically just burning money creating something that may not matter if it's not in users' hands, mm-hmm. right? And if we don't get to the next round of funding, we're totally hosed, sort of thing. Yep. So I've kind of lived in in both worlds. So I've um, you know most recently been in a startup environment where things needed to move very fast, and I've also yep. worked at large corporations like Boeing, which moves in a you know ten year cycle sort of uh, case uh-huh. and mm-hmm. it can be tough. Like I, I think it was good for my career to have both experiences because I can see the, the pros and cons of both sides. And I feel like one of the strengths I've big, you know, I bring along to any potential sort of project is understanding like, okay, well, what are we trying to optimize for? And I've got a whole bag of tricks and a whole bag of experience that goes along with that kind of scheme. Right. Like, understanding the different tactics and the different strategies that can be employed. And so I think this article might be a, a good read for folks. It's, it's fairly lengthy. It's, <laughs> I don't have a page viewer on this one. It's uh, it's going to take you like 15 minutes, I think to read probably. Uh, yeah. So give it a try. I think it's good. <laughs> TLDR, the right way to ship software. There is no right way. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's telling you that there's a right way, they're probably trying to sell you something, right? Exactly. They probably have the letters I, B, and M somewhere in their title. (laughs) This uh, first round site has this uh, interesting little uh, progress meter 
on the top of the page. As you scroll oh, yeah. down, it arcs Ooh. across the horizontal top of the page to show your progress, as if there wasn't a scroll bar, bar on the, left, on the on right, right side. side. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, as, a, as an aside, for, as a design decision, I really hate that. <laughs> yeah. So I was moving down, you know, I was just using my scroll wheel to kind of get an idea of, like, how long is this article before I read it? You know, do I need to read this now? Yeah. Do I need to, like, shove it into Instapaper, read it later? Yeah. I said, what the, is it still loading stuff? What the hell is it? Is it loading stuff yeah. while I'm going <laughs> down with these big images? Like, wait a minute. I go backwards. It's going back. Wait, is it unloading stuff? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> How efficient. <laughs> How bizarre. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I think I've we seen push that the bits back up too. the pipe. <laughs> that way your service provider doesn't charge you. Oh, maybe you get a credit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Putting your car in reverse, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want the internet company to pay me for not using bits. <laughs> yeah, or is it like yeah. the electricity, right? You get a, you generate a little bit sort of thing. Get back some, uh, some money from the power company. <laughs> yeah, somebody was tweeting the other day that it should have like a treadmill underneath your... You're about your desk at a standing desk, and you should have to you have to be able to generate a certain amount of uh, energy, or your system will shut down. Check and check. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got the treadmill anyway, but it uh, it powers nothing. It, it mm. is it is in fact powered, but I can't work without so it. So how do you wa- how do you walk and type at the same time, or do you? Yeah, you do. Yeah, it's uh, just practice. So once you uh, you get a treadmill and you put it under your desk and you start off at a pretty slow pace, uh, so you yeah. get used to typing it, and and. You know, in the first you know few minutes, it's weird. There is no question about that. It's mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm. weird. Um, but uh, you give it some time, and then you step. I started at one and a half miles an hour because it's an American treadmill. And then yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> after some time, like months, right? Like maybe maybe a couple months, I went up to two, and I stayed there for probably a couple years. Um, and then I stepped up to two and a half and that's, that's where I am today. That's I'm at two and a half. And I think if someone new got on a treadmill, started walking at two and a half miles an hour, they'd find themselves hard pressed to type. But, uh, with an adaptation yeah. period, you can do it. So how many, how many miles do you walk a day? I don't know the number of miles. I just know, um, the number of hours. So, uh, how about the number of steps you take then? Uh, well, my Fitbit tells me that, uh, yeah. on a, on a, I'll, 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 I can go between 15 and 20,000 steps a day. Wow. For anyone who thinks that it's a panacea to lose weight, uh, I've got some bad news for you because eventually what happens is um, <laughs> your body adapts to that. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's it's absolutely no stress whatsoever to to walk for four to six hours a day. Um, yeah. And while your, your legs might get great tone, um, you will not be burning many calories. So do people laugh at you when you get to the coffee shop and you take your, your treadmill out and put it on the table? <laughs> Uh, the treadmill is a little ungainly. Um, <laughs> mo- moving it to the second cup would be uh, a-, a task. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a no go, as they well, say. I was just thinking about what Mark was saying about people bringing their IMAX to the coffee shop. Yeah, we've right? seen those pictures, right? But uh, uh, they they would not be bringing a five hundred pound treadmill. <laughs> uh, that's a little over the top. Well, that's how you get your weight training in, too. I guess it would. That's exactly. true. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have huge Conan the Barbarian legs and little T Rex arms, right? Just right. Like, that actually that describes my physical appearance, Jaime. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's actually exactly how I look. Uh, it sucks. <laughs> so, is there hey, an opportunity? <laughs> Go ahead. So, so if there's a, a limit to your gains, and, and I, I guess there's like this whole thing called muscular confusion that uh, the bodybuilders talk about all the time, where you you got to change up your routine to 
get your body to not know what's going on and continue to build, build, build. Right. Could you do mm-hmm. like interval training, right? So at some point you've got to do a deep clean, clear out your derived data, reload Xcode, <laughs> rebuild everything. If you could use that to do like sprints while it's that half minute to a minute or so. Yeah, your metaphors are confusing me now. Are you saying like literally run? Yeah, I mean, you're on a treadmill, yeah, yeah. right? Just like, okay, sure. now I hit the mode where it's like run at five to 10 miles an hour kind of thing, at least a, a jog. Right. Yeah. yeah actually, my, my treadmill is made specifically for walking. So it has an upper limit of five miles an hour, um, mm. which is, you know, pretty darn close to a run. Um, I think if you were, if you put it to five, I think that's, you're doing a very slight jog at that point. Um, but no, I've never done that. Um, because I'm not looking to build up a sweat. <laughs> That's the big thing is like, I'm just there to work. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, I, I don't do that, but, uh, I am running, uh, aside from that, like I just started a running course, uh, eight weeks ago now. Oh. So I'll be doing a 5k in a couple of weeks. Were you a runner before? Or is this something you just fell into? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife made me do it. But I mean, like when you were a kid and no, God, no, class oh, or whatever. Good. Jesus. No, <laughs> Yeah, me, me either. So. <laughs> Do you want to talk about this uh, iPad Pro? Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna bring that one up. Um, I found a link on Nine to Five Mac about uh, the iPad Pro and Microsoft, and saying that Microsoft probably isn't gonna bring the Office apps to the um, iPad Pro because of the pixel size or the the size of the resolution of the screen. They have some sort of upper limit on their software. Did you guys read the article? Yeah. Okay. So uh, just to define the terms, um, mm-hmm. Office uh, has uh, is available for free for the iPad and the iPhone. And How is all, it? Yeah. That's uh, it. But it only does basic editing. You can't create new documents with it, for example. Um, I thought you had to have a 360 account or something like that. Or that's if if you want to like have full Office access on any device like your okay. Mac or your iOS devices, then you have to get the 365 subscription. Right. Um, but if you just want to view documents, like you know, like people send you Word documents, for example, then mm-hmm. you can use these devices for free. But Microsoft has this rule, and this isn't new. This is, uh, you know, this has been around since the uh, since they launched the Surface, right? Um, sure. This was Microsoft's deal. They were like, um, if you get the Surface tab um, uh, notebook, right, but the ones that were below ten inches, right, they think of a, of a sub ten inch display as a mobile device. But anything over that is a notebook or like a desktop computer, you know? And so what they do is they that, they use that 10.1 inch uh, size as the, the fence <laughs> to separate who pays for Office and who doesn't. But this is classic Microsoft, right? Classic Microsoft who's been fumbling the ball when it comes to mobile computing from the very start, right? To have this, this distinction in the first place. Um, but you know, let's look past that. Uh, <laughs> what Microsoft uh, is doing here is saying, if you have an iPad Pro, that's like an actual computer, and so if you want to use um, Office, you have to pay for it. I guess my one comment though on on this thing is that because there are some folks in the comments on Nine to Five Mac that are all confused about this. This is a very old policy as far as as things go for for Microsoft how they've they've treated yeah. their, yeah, their software. Right. Uh, the old iPad, the iPad Air 2, for example, is 9.7 inches, so well within the 10-inch limit that they uh, well, arbitrarily well chose. Well within, but Well yeah. within. And apparently well it's 10.1 inches. I don't know who came 10. up with 1. that uh, specific number, but let's, let's, let's go with that. Yep. Um, totally fine. It's not as if Microsoft did this to, like, 
screw Apple, you know, or, or try to draw people into like the Surface Pro or anything. Um, nope. Clearly, be up before that. And when we think about like the iPad Pro, it's kind of not unreasonable. Not saying it's great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it would be nice if it was free. Why not? I would certainly like it if it was free. But it's not unreasonable that if you're paying for a pro device and you're intending to use it as a professional, um, sure, you probably are going to pay for Office 365 anyways if you're into the Microsoft camp. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I'm actually downloading Microsoft Office or Word right now because I didn't even know it was free. There you go. Get it while you can, but- folks. <laughs> they can't Don't take it away from you it. once it's on your device. Yeah. <laughs> That wasn't what I was doing. I, I mean, I do occasionally. I don't use it, uh, um, the Office products enough to, in my opinion, warrant a subscription. I use it once in a while because people send me stuff. But, um, and I'm still rocking, you know, uh, Office or Mac 2011. So yeah, you know, why? why I mean, I'm, that's how often I use it, right? So, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that when they came out with the, the um, products for iPad that they you were, you were required to have a 365. Um, deal, or at least that was the, how I thought they originally came out with. No, no, that's not it at all. So, um, it just, you won't be able to do a whole lot with it. That's the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be able to open docs that people send to you. That's right. pretty much it. Um, you, it's, well, can't, it says you can edit them, but you can't, you're saying you can't edit them? Or? You can edit them, but you can, I don't think you can create a new document. So if we're, if we have pages and numbers, why do we need office per well, se? There you go. That's, that's a great question. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, an office proponent would say, well, it's not real office. You know, that's true. Um, but, uh, I find like, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Cause I don't use this crap. I mean, this is <laughs> word processing, <laughs> spreadsheets, presentations. I don't do any of that. I don't use any yeah. of the software. Um, no. but yeah, like, um, I work for, for both Mac and iOS, um, is available and free to all new, uh, users at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the only people getting stiffed is someone who hasn't bought a new piece of hardware in the last couple of years. Right. Uh, otherwise you, you have it available for free. Uh, so, you know, why, why would anyone care about this? And it's, you know, it's inertia. That's all. It's just like office is the name in productivity software for using this stuff. So, um, you know, and they just came out with for the Mac, the, the new version of office, uh, what are they calling it? Uh, office 2015 or 16? I think 2016. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I'm working with a client that, uh, that is a Microsoft shop. Um, and so, uh, they gave me an office 365 subscription. So I've had a chance to download this stuff and use it and um uh, outlook in particular is actually very impressive mm-hmm. um on ios okay uh yeah. so having it on your phone and then um, the watch app for outlook um is very good um it's probably one of the one of the best watch apps that i have um it's yeah i, I have to agree I, I actually downloaded outlook when it first came out and i think it just started supporting um, I think I'm still using IMAP for my mail, but I think initially it came out, it, you had to have Entourage, or you had to have, not Entourage, you had to have um, Exchange or something like that. But right, Exchange. Now server. it's working, and, and it's it's funny because my um, Outlook on my watch gives me notifications well before my mail app does. Hmm. Yeah, so. Not surprising. <laughs> mail is not yeah. a great app. <laughs> no. Uh, but it's like the best that, I, I just keep coming back to it, don't know why. So yeah, like the, the the thing about the iPad Pro is like it's um it's not really news per se. Um, mm-hmm. It's just something that you got to keep in mind if you're because uh, uh, Microsoft thinks of the iPad as an actual computer now, uh, which is you know I think what Apple would like you to think of it as. So, mm-hmm. um, hurry for well, everyone. That's a perfect segue to the product that Microsoft announced yesterday with the 
right. hinge and the keyboard and... So the Surface Book, you mean? Yes? Yeah, the 13-inch, yeah. Yeah, well, they introduced two products, actually. There was a the new Surface Pro, uh, which is the traditional tablet with the kickstand and the optional keyboard. Uh, mm -hmm. There's nothing terribly exciting new there. It's mostly evolutionary, but uh, they also announced a Surface Book, which is um, a convertible laptop, basically, that has a keyboard and a detachable display that you can use as a Surface tablet. Right. So, uh, very nice looking, actually. Like, uh, the hinge is peculiar, uh, something yeah. that I've never seen before. It's like a, a flexible, looks like a flexible metal um, hinge, uh, hinged, segmented thing, you know? Mm -hmm. It sort of, like, click, 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 clicks into position and does not uh, close tight with a, a perfect seal between the display and the keyboard. There's oh, it a, doesn't. There's a gap mm. there. If you've yeah. seen these, uh, seen the pictures of it, seen it close it looks like it's just some you know rigid thing that's kind of been folded uh, over itself but not 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 tightly um but you know it's a it's a nice looking piece of hardware uh, the the fact that it can be pulled off and you've got like a full-on surface tablet is interesting um you can also like pull the display part off turn it around and put it back and then fold the display back over the keyboard and have it like a really thick tablet at that point um so i don't know like again you know this is the problem that that I always run into when I see Microsoft release hardware. They seem to be really good at making hardware. Um, you know, every time I uh, they come up with a new Surface, I go to the store dutifully and I, I play with it for a while. And I think, oh, this hardware is kind of nice. You know, beautiful display, uh, nice feel in the hand, a little bigger than I would expect. But um, mm -hmm. overall, very impressive. The problem is the software. You know, you, you start using Windows and you realize, oh, yeah, Windows, that thing sucks. <laughs> I hate Windows. I hate it. And and okay, yeah. so say I can get past using Windows because it's just the operating system, right? But then that's, you've got to like, tell us. Yeah. Let's talk about the third party um, situation here. So like all the software that you want to use, um, you know, is it's it's this abominable mm -hmm. uh, third party software market. Uh, the, the the innovative work is just not being done there anymore, and it's been a long time since it has. So. You know, you're looking for a great code editor, for example. Then you know you're you're wading through this morass of these very terrible options. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, people use Sublime Edit uh, because it's a cross-platform thing, right? Um, and it's it's crap. I n I've never liked the look of it. I just don't like it at all. Mm. Uh, it looks like garbage to me. Um, and you know, it just <laughs> um, using using the shell. You know, you want to uh, you know access uh, you know remote servers using SSH. And so there's this thing called Putty. Uh, there might be something new nowadays. It's been a while since I've looked, but um, but Putty on Windows. You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever seen this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I used mm -hmm. to use Putty back in like 2005, 2006, probably. Garbage, just garbage, right? It's the mm. worst. Um, and uh, I don't know, you name it. Like, uh, I need FTP. So, you know, like the FTP clients that were out there, I can't remember what the one I, I eventually used was called. Uh, it's coming Secure to me. Secure FTP? Probably. No. Or no. Cute FTP was Gorilla. probably. No. Oh, what was that one you said? Cute F Zilla, FTP. Gorilla. FileZilla. Oh, FileZilla, yeah. 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 Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's all garbage. Detritus, yes. All of it. And, uh, you know, because we're spoiled on the Mac, and I don't think most people recognize how spoiled we are, that we've got beautiful, fully functional software on the Mac that looks great and fits in, and, and the, the, the developers of that software take enormous pride in the work they do. You don't or see that on, on Windows at all. Uh, so it's just not a platform I can work with. 
you know, and so Microsoft can make the best hardware that's out there. They haven't, mm-hmm. but, you know, they could. Well, this is their first, uh, isn't this their first uh, notebook? true laptop, quote-unquote? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There hasn't or been one before. Notebooks? You know, they would argue, they said, no, 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 it's not a laptop, because they don't want to piss off their OEM customers. Um, right. In, in the same breath, they'll, they will never compare it to an, o, uh, an OEM partner uh, product, right. but yeah. to the MacBook, of course. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, despite that, you know, they can make great hardware, but I'm never going to use it because it's Windows. Yeah, no. back in 2000, or sorry, back in or 2003, 2004, there was a company that made a um, really nice uh, tablet computer uh, that had a stylus and the whole bit, and it was it was wonderful. It was a great piece. It had the software keyboard, the whole nine yards, right? But it ran Windows, and it, that was the only thing that stopped me from buying it. Otherwise, you know, it was great. It had it used that. Um, um, I think they call it Ink is the is the Microsoft um, writing software. Um, and, mm, I'm not sure, but and it was a really, really nice, well-built computer, like solid. You know, uh, just like the remember the Modbook that Apple that somebody came out with a few years after the MacBook came out. Yes, of course. Um, so it was very similar to that kind of build. It had, but this had like a metal body, and it was really well built, and it just loved it. And, and you know, thought great, I could do drawings on it and whatever, and then just couldn't get past that Windows. You know, indeed, cruft, cruft. You know, I was uh, I was at Compaq when the uh, the first tablet PC and uh, this category seemed like it was going to have legs, but then it just fizzled. Of course, mm-hmm. um, this is in two thousand three. You were um, at Compaq. I was at Compaq then, yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, get all excited about this thing. Oh wow! You know, like this. What a great form factor. Here, I'll paste you mm-hmm. a link into a Wikipedia article. Um, and so this thing is is actually very similar to what uh, Microsoft introduced today because it's like this keyboard. Um, oh. where the uh, display snaps into it and you could use it independently. Um, but it ran this special version of Windows that Microsoft made. Um, mm-hmm. the, um, Was that the one where you could swivel the display around? Yeah, I think so. fold it with the display on top so you could write on it? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, so really, you know, uh, <laughs> the more things change, they stay the same, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, here we are. And... Um, yeah, I don't know that this this uh, form factor is going to be any more successful than it was before, and I think the most telling thing is that Apple doesn't think so. You know, um, yeah. you know, Apple doesn't think so. They believe that tablets and and desktops, laptops are separate things. You know, they they are they will never meet in the middle. You know, I guess you can't say never, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. right now they don't uh because there's there's too many compromises uh with with going either way and that's been that's been Microsoft's curse here um yeah. is this this dogged belief that um that this surface tablet um can be notebook like enough to justify its its big price um its big weight um and you know all this and, and the windows desktop operating system sitting on it really um, which it's not really suitable for. So it's kind of like a bastard child. And their move to, you know, yesterday to make this, this laptop book, you know, the Surface book, um, is, I think, a move even further in, you know, like they're doubling down, they're tripling down. Uh, by this point, they're quintupling down. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're saying that uh, this, this is going to happen and, and we're going to keep stomping our feet until it does. Um, we'll see. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, as compelling as it is, again, you've got the got the damned operating system sitting behind it. Well, oh, what, yes. one thing I'll say from I mean, I didn't really look too much into the uh, into into the Microsoft product, but just looking at the keyboard with the trackpad, 
it's I think that it looks great from from that point of view, like with the actual keys and what have you, as opposed to the Surface keyboard or the thing that Apple came out with last week or last month. Um, it, as as a piece of hardware, it looks it looks really compelling. But you know, like I said, it's just you know can't run Xcode on it. Not interested. Jaime, tell us about the Display Dock. This is really interesting too. Yeah, so this is um, this is an, a product from Microsoft that apparently works. Uh, I guess just with the Windows 10 Mobile Edition, as they mentioned, the their new Lumia 950 and 950 XL. But th- it's using this whole thing that they've, uh, I think they've been calling Continuum, although I don't see it mentioned anywhere on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea is that, okay, what if we just said, look, everybody's clearly going to have a mobile phone, a smartphone, and that's the one computing device that you absolutely have to have. You can deal without a tablet. You can deal without having a laptop or a desktop, depending on what kind of work you do. So what if, and if these things are getting, you know, desktop class, right, like a 6S Plus or a 6S, what if you had that sort of thing, and when you walk into the office, instead of walking in with, you know, your MacBook Pro or Mm. um, your new Surface Book, you just say, look, I'm just going to connect my phone into this little dock, and in, in this case, this is a Windows 10 device, and now I have access to, um, it, it's essentially a universal app, right? So the, the Windows 10 apps, the universal ones, can sort of like using like uh, size classes or, or auto layout type stuff where you have, okay, well, you're in a compact mode, so we'll give you this compact view of things. Oh, you've got the breathing room for a 27-inch display. Okay, we'll give you this other piece of a, you know, a larger display. And I think their continuum, it works a little more sophisticated than that, right? It's not just merely about size is about kind of uh, context that you're in right in this case mm-hmm. they've they've got a little almost looks like an apple tv kind of or a roku kind of puck that you plug you know with a physical cable you plug that into your phone and then the puck is almost like a little dock that's connected to yeah. you know everything else like your monitor and, and so forth what are you guys yeah. thoughts on this sort of thing being kind of the future of, of what we want to do and and even by future, it's kind of the past, right? I think Sun Microsystems had a very similar concept that they were trying to work with. Yeah, they used to do it with a with a card that you would you would shove into a workstation. All of a sudden, it would have every everything you had there. But uh, it, you weren't bringing around your own hardware. But I, I think this is this is amazing. And and once this becomes wireless, where it really works, then they'll really have something. You you just kind of walk up to your you choose a monitor at your office, you sit down, and boom, you're just connected and you start working. You get up, you go home, and you have one at home, and you walk in the house, your turns on, and you're just connected. This will be amazing when it's finally here. I'm not sure it is. It's ready for prime time yet, but and I haven't tried this device. But yeah, but, I'd like uh, to see I, how this works. Yeah, is this something they introduced yesterday, or, or yeah, this was at the same event as the service. Okay, book. cool. Yeah, it does say continuum for phones, by the way. I'm on the on the page. Yeah, you scroll down a bit, you'll find it. Yeah. Oh, there they go. Uh, they okay. It's not a huge uh, brand. I was looking at the the top level labels, like keep using your phone specifications. I guess they're kind of quietly saying continuum instead of uh, yeah pushing it's like, it forward, um, like like yeah. handoff, right? Exactly. Hopefully, it's not going to be the same price as their uh, their Halo headset thing, right? Oh. I don't know. Is that expensive? <laughs> Three grand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you so you're talking about Hololens, so, right? Uh, Hololens, yeah, yeah, Hololens, yeah. Is that how much it ends up costing? Yeah, I think Whew. the initial ones. Yeah. Damn. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, not for everyone. 
Wild. <laughs> this, I think this is fantastic. You know, like, uh, this is the sort of thing that I've been thinking about for years, you know? Like, ever yeah. since, you know, the iPhone came out and we saw the smartphone revolution and you could imagine the, a powerful computer in your pocket and you just, it takes no effort at all, no imagination to project into the future that these things are getting more and more powerful. And, of course, yeah. now we're seeing the, the, uh, the processing capability starting to rival desktop uh, PCs, right? Yeah. So sure. why not? You know, why not do this? Makes sense. Now the question is, what's the experience like? Uh, I don't know. That's true. Well, I mean, you know, it comes down to yeah, it's the same sort of thing as as uh, what we we're talking about before. And, and a great analogy there from I mean about the size classes thing. This is and isn't this the the we were just talking about these processors last week that Mark was talking about at the end of the show about. Um, being built by Samsung and the other Korean company, TSMC. No, no, Taiwanese. 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 But that's the level of, of sophistication of, of CPU that's going into, into a handheld device. And so why not you know, take that to the next level? I mean, you know, the, the iMacs and stuff like that, are, are in terms of the processors going to those, are almost around the same level. Am I safe in saying that, Mark? Uh, you know? No, the ones that go into the iMacs are, are still quite a bit more powerful but okay. but they're getting there. I mean what yeah. you got in your in your iPhone 6 is way more powerful than you had in your in your uh, iMac probably 3 years ago. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And you know it's still way more powerful than what they landed on the moon with, right? So Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my Apple Watch is more powerful than what they landed on yeah, the moon with by several times. I think my big toe is. Um, <laughs> that was you know, it was basically the equivalent of a of a sixty five oh two processor Apple two. That what they landed on the moon. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well it's it's um it's interesting here, like on this page, uh how Microsoft is positioning this feature and how it's used. Um mm-hmm. I think they're very careful to say that this is not gonna be like a full on PC experience, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. uh just to read this about a smooth transition is the heading, and um, they talk about a 60 frame per second refresh rate, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. And but they they position it as catching up on email is flicker free and super smooth, right? Mm-hmm. Like not not playing Halo, not uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. not doing any kind of Photoshop work, graphics intensive stuff, not video editing, but email um, and obviously Office apps. Um, so mm-hmm. those those are the big things, and this is a huge play to corporate desktops, right? Um, sure. And uh, I think if um, I think Microsoft has a good opportunity, you know, like to, in the business where you know they've made their all their money, right? The corporate environment, uh, there's uh, a lot of sense to be made here. You know, give your workforce uh, Lumia phones um, and these hubs with displays and keyboards and mice, and you're good to go. Especially Anyways. if they're people are bringing in their own phones, using their own phones. Yeah. You as the company just have to buy the monitor, the keyboard, and the where businesses come from in terms of getting hardware into people's hands to do stuff, this is a perfect fit, you know, for that kind of stuff. But on the same token, though, you could also plug an HDMI display into an iPhone and, and have a similar kind of experience, though, couldn't you? I mean, um, if you had, like, an HDMI display uh, on your desk and a, key, a no, keyboard no, and a mouse? No, 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 it's not, it's not the same. Like, what you end up with in that case is, it's blown like... Up. Display. Yeah, it's just blown up, and yeah, you're you're. It doesn't like fit it perfectly. It doesn't expand because it doesn't know exactly what size display it's on. Um, yeah, it's it's not the same at all. Uh, I don't think. But there's um, no fundamental reason why they couldn't do that. Exactly. Yeah. That Apple couldn't do it. You mean? That Apple could not do that. Yeah. Indeed. Quite right. Quite right. I mean, who knows? Who's to say that's not sort of? I mean, that's what they're kind of doing with the Apple TV, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. That when I first opened up seven point one to play with the Apple TV interface. The simulator was bigger than, or the sorry, the storyboard was bigger than my display, 
But sure. I'm sitting in front of a 24-inch monitor, right? So, Yeah, a non-retina one. Yeah, 5K yeah, iMac, man. I told you yeah. that last time. Yeah, it's bitching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How does that $1 Apple TV feel now? <laughs> you got $3,000 to develop on it now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Maybe I will get myself one of those. Uh, See, that's how those. they get you, man. They give you something for free. That's the yeah. way That's the way dealers work. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. the same thing. When I first bought my HDMI TV, or flat panel TV, the first thing I said, well, now I need to go buy a PVR because I can't watch regular television on it, right? I have to get the high-def television. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Um, do you want to do picks? Sure. Are we there? Um I just want to quickly get your opinion. Last week, I put a note on there about Japan, about Japan, the Japan market, and the fact that Apple developers will have to collect tax tax if we sell there. No, okay. So you're going to sell Magpie in, in what? Uh, Japan? What? <laughs> yeah, sell sorry. Magpie. Are you going to sell Magpie in Japan? Uh, I'm sorry, Magpie requires customers in order to sell something. <laughs> uh, never, I'm sorry, have- I did see that note come through from Apple about changes to the way taxes are handled in japan and i've heard about it over the years but i just cannot yeah. bring myself to care all right can you give us the the, the quick details because i i must have deleted that email without even looking at it well yeah and i i, I, I kind of sort of looked at it really quickly and then i uh, saw a few tweets go by and, and uh, some people were sort of debate, debating whether or not um they would pull their apps from on from sale in japan in itunes connect because uh, and I'm not sure if it's October 1st, but uh, apparently anybody who sells any product, quote unquote, in in the Japanese market is is bound to collect tax and submit it to the Japanese government. So what's the impact for developers then? Like, what's... Well, for, for Aaron, it's probably a few bucks, right? No, but... no, no. Like what? So, so does <laughs> so Apple is doing that on, Apple on your behalf? Apple collect the tax. You, the developer, have to collect the tax and submit it. Right now, I, I played this game when I was a reseller, and, and we went through. We had to collect provincial sales tax from people, and we had to basically so we had to submit our government sales tax and our provincial sales tax in a separate reporting, and it was it was work. I mean, for the average person, it's going to be a pain in the ass. But I guess yeah, I'm a little unclear. Okay. Like, so as we've talked about before, like we don't have the customers. Apple has the customers, right? And Apple has the whole payment system. So, yeah, what exactly would you, as a developer, have to do? So it's not just you know adding you sales tax on, on account iTunes the, Connect. The, or, you have to register as far from what I understood. I'm just trying to find the email right now. But what you had to do was um, you had to register an account with the Japanese government and collect tax and pay it out of out of your your piece of the sale. Like you're going to get whatever you get from Apple, and from that you have to then Apple's not currently Apple collects collects my government tax from each sale and submits it to government on my behalf, and they send me a, uh, an email to they do that with Aaron too. To say that they've collected the tax and they submitted it. Um, I just pasted a link into the Skype conversation. This is from three years ago, but um, I, I don't know that um, the change that we got is just a change in procedure, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's about withholding. And this is very similar to what we deal with in Canada with the HST, which we have to um, collect and, and remit back to the government ourselves as a business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's just, it's basically, I think it's paperwork that you have to fill out. Yeah, this link that you just sent, Aaron, is saying that you don't actually have to pay the tax. You just have to, well, you have to, they're withholding tax, and and you have to file, file paperwork to get, either get the money back or have yes. them not withhold the tax. Exactly. Oh, that what it is. But as a foreign company, you don't have to pay taxes on that to Japan. You have to pay it here instead, of course. With this 8% that they're talking about here, the consumption tax? 
It's 20%. Yeah, so, yeah there's the 20%, exactly. Yeah, just read that in a nutshell paragraph in the in the article that was linked. Oh, okay. In the link. Underscore David Smith. Well, I did find the uh, the two, because I actually got one from my iBooks account as well, so... Yeah, it would now that. be required to administer <laughs> Japanese consumption tax, 8%, is imposed upon new tax laws. Oh, this is different than this article, then. Yeah, like I said, mine's three years old. This is new. Yeah. The paragraph says, effective oh. October 1st, 2015, new tax laws go into effect in Japan with respect to foreign businesses that provide electronic <laughs> commerce to Japanese residents. <laughs> I sell apps in Japan, I don't know about you. Yeah. Aaron, some people care about this stuff. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry. Can you I'm forward just... that to me? Uh, Tim? Yeah, it says you Thanks. may now be required to administer. You may you may now be required to administer consumption tax current rate of eight percent imposed under these new tax laws. For further details on the changes, you can be found in Ministry of Finance Japan blah 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 website. Um, and that's what I said. And it opened up a discussion with people about whether or not they um, pull their apps. For, I mean, all you do is go on, I go to iTunes Connect and un- uncheck Japan, you're done, right? Yeah, pretty much. So, but I the reason I asked I put it on there because I didn't know if you guys had read that or were aware of it. I know Aaron doesn't get email from Apple, so yeah, I got that one. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering. Um, so, what are the repercussions here if you don't follow the rules? Oh, I don't know. You lose money. That's the idea. Like, because no, you, you're giving up like the eight percent, the twenty percent. Um, Apple's holding onto that for you, or or has submitted it on your behalf. I don't even <laughs> right. So if it's if it's taking a larger percentage out of what you would be earning, but you're not having to do much more. I mean, isn't it better to comply than it is to pull out of Japan altogether? I mean, unless it turns out that you're actually losing money based on you know, customer acquisition costs or something. So if no, you, so if your percentage is is seventy percent, right? Like minus applicable taxes and stuff, and now it's effectively you're getting forty five percent from this deal. Isn't that better yeah. than zero percent? Right. Uh, the impression I got it was that Apple wasn't going to take care of us for us. Is what my point was. Right. If Apple's not withholding the money, then then it becomes a big hassle of we have to we have to actually go through the effort of figuring out how much we actually owe and writing yeah. a check to the Japanese government and mm-hmm. and depending on how much you make it, it just might not be worth the trouble. Yeah. 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 And that's the part that I was kind of wondering about. Not not suggesting because I am not a lawyer. I'm not suggesting people do this. But it's like <laughs> if you never want to go to Japan, what does it matter, right? I don't, I don't think they're going to extradite you unless you get really big, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, on, on the iBooks account here, it says that I have to. There's a new contracts and tax thing as well. Like you know, the thing you have to every time they change the rules, you have to go in and hit the OK button on the new rules, right? Mm-hmm. True that. Good that my times. dog reads for me. Yep. Oh my god, it's so boring. So <laughs> Come on, let's make it stop. Okay. Go around the table. Stop so at let's Aaron. Go. Let's go around. Okay, As we usually go. do. I'm dying. <laughs> let's go around the table as we usually do and see if Aaron has a pick. Okay. Okay. So here's the question. Uh, this, you know, let's go offline here for a sec. Sure. Paint code or Nylas? What's Nylas? It's, it's a brand new email client that was uh, sort of semi-launched this week. Uh, <clears throat> oh, oh my le- God! Yeah, no, I, I'm less less concerned with email clients. Oh yeah, you and me both, brah. Okay, that's me hitting the delete key. I'm okay, shocked. So, that, no, it, aren't isn't somebody on this podcast a Tweetbot user? I thought for sure that would be a pick. Tweetbot? Who's heard of or, that? Or what's it? A Tweetbot or that other one? Um, you and I were talking about the other day, Aaron. Twitterific. Yeah, no, a Tweetbot 4 came out this week uh, for iOS, and uh, there was also an update for the Mac 2.1. 
Um, so that's not my pick, though. Um, you know, because it's getting enough press, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Lopez, if you want that, that's all yours. <laughs> no, I, I use the default stock Twitter app because the the pain oh is less seriously than when, when Twitter eventually kills everything off. Unless yeah. Jack Dorsey, yeah. I mean, he's official CEO now, right? Oh, maybe, yeah, no. Maybe you're he fine. opens the floodgates again, then I'll be happy to try out third party clients. Well, warm up your downloader there, bra, because it's going to happen. Anyway, no, my pick this week will be Paint Code 2. And uh, this, uh, I was actually there in 2007 at C4 in Chicago when Paint Code was introduced. Uh, the developer got up on stage and did a little talk about it and showed us how you could draw shapes on a canvas and then uh, in another pane of the window you could mm -hmm. see uh, core graphics code uh, so that you could like basically cut and paste that code into your project and the crowd went wild and we all ended up with a free copy of this um, at the time beta software um, so it was really exciting um, but in in the intervening years I haven't really paid too much attention to paint code um, until now uh, because I'm embarking on a new project that uh, happens to involve a lot of graphics work. And so I opened up Paint Code 2, uh, which was recently introduced. It's, it's not been out for terribly long. Um, and I was blown away by the quality of this app. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's really amazing um, the, just how improved it is. Um, very professional-looking software. And so just to back up a second, what is it? Um, it's basically a drawing app. And... Uh, the difference between this and anything else, of course, is the fact that it takes your, your drawings, your drawings, if you're Simon, and uh, outputs uh, Objective-C or Swift code so that you can put it into your app as a developer um, and, and render these drawings um, from code, pure code. So uh, if you were feeling particularly feisty, uh, you could actually do all of your application's artwork uh, in paint code and export the whole damn thing as code and have no graphical assets. Um, and by the same token, no concern about resolution. So it would be totally resolution independent, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, so Paint Code 2 uh, has a very pro-looking interface, nice and dark theme. I love that. Um, and it, it has a full suite of drawing tools. You can draw shapes, text, beziers, uh, polygons. You can put symbols in. You can insert images if you like, if you're feeling crazy, I guess. Symbols, what does that mean? Whatever. Anyway, um, and it also has a couple of other uh, neat features that I was uh, taking note of. One is called StyleKit. And uh, StyleKit is basically a framework that you can drop into your um, application. And it provides um, classes that you can then call on uh, mm. in your code. So, like, if I draw, say, um, a calendar icon, um, I can then, like, go to StyleKit and go to StyleKit, um, you know, asset name, you know, I don't know what the actual uh, class name is or method name, but, you know, and actually just call the name of my, um, my uh, icon, for example, and boom, there it is. Uh, really easy to use and super flexible that way. And of course, you can take the code out and modify it however you like. Um, and another thing it has is something that uh, we talked about a while ago called telekinesis. And uh, this is a beta feature in Paint Code that allows you to uh, simultaneously have your project open in Paint Code, but also have it open on your device. So if you're developing for iOS, uh, you can have the app running 
from paint code and then make adjustments in paint code and have it automatically reflected on the device. So very cool. Um, so I've been using it, um, and uh, it's a it's actually a really wonderful learning tool as well. Um, I'm I'm pretty good with core graphics, but there are some I'm doing some pretty wild stuff, and um, and I'm finding that uh, having uh, the ability to sort of very easily using using very standard tools, of course. Um, to create graphical assets and then see the exact uh, uh, core graphics code that makes it, like and not just like core graphics, but you know it's UI Bezier paths and uh, stuff like that. So like there is some UI kit stuff happening here, um, but it's a it's a really powerful tool. And uh, if you are at all doing this sort of thing in your app, uh, it's worth checking out. Yeah, and it also supports either Objective-C or Swift if you want it when you go to export your file out as well. Exactly, yeah. And you can um, select the mode. So you can go OS X Objective-C, OS X Swift, iOS Objective-C, iOS Swift, and even iOS for C-sharp Xamarin. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's also, like, you can uh, make it for iOS 6 Plus or 7 Plus and ARC and non-ARC, or, you know, as they call it, retain release. Um, and then you can flip the origin if you like. So um, if you're on OS X... Um, you can uh, have the origin being the bottom left instead of the top left. Uh, it's very cool. It is a hundred dollars, um, and you get it from PaintCodeApp.com. That's a hundred dollars to buy the app, or it's a hundred dollars per year, or it's a subscription. It's to buy the app. Yeah, just as a side note too, there's a couple of tutorials done by Ray Wernerlich himself on the Ray Wernerlich website. Uh, he and his wife Vicky, who does the artwork for the website, uh, they did a piece on two two part piece. One on using Paint Code as an introductory piece, making a sort of a stopwatch interface, and then in the second part of the, the uh, um, tutorial, they actually showed you how to animate the the hand on the stopwatch. So if you want, if you're interested in doing that kind of stuff with Paint Code, again, like Aaron said, you don't have to have the the rocket science core graphics knowledge to be able to build this stuff with Paint Code, but you know you you can use some intelligence after the fact to animate your pieces around once you've created them as well so great kind of cool transfer transformations ta-da ta-da i was gonna say hang on before we go um the the podcast i was talking about before from mike hurley was uh, inquisitive behind the app number oh, one yes okay yes i'm not sure if the behind the app number one is that, that must be a new show then i guess there's so many it's hard to keep track i know anyway um hi man do you have a pick yes so Apple has upgraded its developer stuff. It's a it's a developer website. So developer.apple.com slash search is now way, way 10 times better. So if you remember back a few episodes ago, I'd recommended ASCII WWDC as a place you could go to and you could search for, oh, what about Apple Pay? And where was that mentioned in this year's WWDC? And it had, uh, you know, the transcripts and everything. And I think at the time somebody had asked me like, "Oh, does it have the timestamps for when those things are said?" and and it doesn't. But developer.apple.com/search actually does. So you can go to that URL, search for Apple Pay, and I can see the results as 71 results, and I can see that uh, Apple Pay within apps in this past year's WWDC at you know the 28 second mark, 39, the 132 mark. They actually mention it a lot, obviously within that scheme. And if mm-hmm. you look at, uh, you can very quickly find like, where the heck was that note? Was it in the keynote? Where did they say that one critical nugget that I can't remember? And then I need to look it up and I don't want to watch a one hour video looking for 30 seconds worth of content to clarify something for me. That's pretty nice. It's it. It's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. Really, really slick. It'd be nice if they had the transcripts available in there um, real easily. They, they do give you a little snippet and it takes you to that scheme, but I don't think it has the... Um, 
it doesn't have the transcript sitting right with it, kind of like the way that um, Realm, the database company, has done a real good job with its uh, videos. Ah, uh, I'm here to tell you you're a liar, Jaime Lopez. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Go to any video, mm-hmm. and you'll see three links across the top. Overview, resources, transcript. Oh, my God. What? Oh, yeah. Check. Oh, so this, it was this so searches. subtle. It looked like a background thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let me let me live experiment. Okay, let me go to this exact time mark. Does the transcript take me there? Streaming is available in Safari. Oh, great. I'm using Chrome right now, so... <laughs> I'll have to switch Stop over and try that. that out later. No, well, I just tried it, and uh, it does not follow along with the video. Okay, so it doesn't it doesn't even take you to that spot then. In, no, it uh, does the transcript. not. It does not. So room for improvement, but it's better yeah, than it well, was. God, it sure is great though. This is really nice. So who was the WW ASCII thing? WWDC ASCII thing by ASCII WWDC. Yeah, that, that was originally what he, what he started said. by Matt Thompson. Hmm. But uh, it's it's gone into other hands now, as so many things that Matt Thompson does ends up with. Mm-hmm. Um, are you looking for a link to it? No, 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 no. I'm sure I can find one if I go to the More Than Just Code website and search for it. No doubt. Mark, do you have a pick? Uh, got a couple of points, not an official pick. But right. uh, the first one is I'm looking at the Japanese Ministry of Finance website <laughs> right now. <laughs> and there is a note at the bottom that says... Quote, a business whose taxable turnover in Japan, parentheses, 2013 fiscal year, maybe that's a typo, oh my God. Uh, is, equal or le- is equal or less than 10 million Japanese yen, is oh. exempt from tax filing on Japanese consumption tax, parentheses, 2015 fiscal year. Mm-hmm. So that's roughly saying, so I think the exchange rate's about 120 yen to a dollar right now. Okay. So if, if you're making uh, uh, $83.16. Did you say 10, 10 million yen? 10 million Japanese Oh, 10 million. Yen. I thought you said 10,000. So 000. that would be $84,000. Well, $840,000, right? Uh, did I attempt to send around? That's 10 million? Into, into the Googles? Let's see, that's 10. ten I, I'm losing that's track 10, of my 10,000. That's 10 million. I, I, I carry see the it two. As, Don't forget to carry the two. All right, fine. Using Google's uh, little calculator here, it looks like it's $83,434.20. Yep. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. Okay, so still probably for, for most developers. That's, that's good for uh, Marco then. Yeah, yeah, fine. Marker will be all over the <laughs> jerk. <laughs> oh, sure. Hope he never listens to this podcast. Don't worry, he doesn't. Okay. <laughs> and the other point is that uh, an app I use pretty much every day just got some nice updates that I'll tell you about and feel okay. about them. And that's actually the Starbucks app. Uh, oh, cool! You can now order your coffee through your app before you go to the store. Yeah. Go to the store. And not even go anywhere close to that long line where you have to order things. You just walk right up to the pickup counter, and they have it ready for you right there. Nice. And since I go to the same store every time, they know me. They see me coming in, and they rush to to hand me my coffee. It's a great experience, much better than it used to be. Also, wow. you can reload your your card or your, or your you know your online card with sure. Apple Pay now. Oh, so, you can now. Okay. Cool. So thumbs up to Starbucks. They did a nice nice Ooh, couple of updates. Starbucks app. Yep. Cool. Right on. So I'm torn between my pick here. Okay, I'm going to go with the RayWonderlick.com iOS 9 by Tutorials book just shipped today. So if you're interested in learning how to uh, code some of the new features that came out in iOS 9 using Swift 2.0, um, 
the book just launched today and you can download it from the website as a PDF or you can buy a hard copy book. Yeah, so if you're interested in, in uh, learning some iOS 9 uh, stuff and you want to get up your speed up, up to speed with it in Swift 2.0, then uh, definitely go and check that out. And I'll put a link in the show notes for people who want to go there directly and get a buy a book. All right, so that's it for the week. I guess we'll uh, say goodbye. And so, Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to the usual spot, twitter.com slash Aaron Bay. Or the second cup. Or the second cup, yes. At 1 p.m. Some people have found me there. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah, you ran into one of the friends of the show, actually, there. That's right. Um, God. What, Patreon you... sponsor as well. Oh, really? Is it Jolt Guy or something like that? Jolt Guy. Yeah, that's right. He has a real <sighs> name. Of course he does. Jeff. It's from Scarborough, I think, right? Scarborough, yeah. He said he was from Scarborough, yes. That part I remembered and, you know. Cool. Hey, Jeff. And, <laughs> yeah, and but that was like two weeks ago. <laughs> and he's rocking a More Than Just Code podcast t-shirt. So, Well, he is a man of extraordinary taste uh, <laughs> and, and good looks. So why wouldn't he be? There you go. Alrighty, And hi, man. If people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? On Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And Mark Rubin, where would people find you on the interwebs? Mark R at spapsoft.com. And once again, my name is Timitra, I-M-T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter and at my website, it-guy.com. And of course, you can reach any of us through the More Than Just Code website. We'd love to have your comments. We'd love to have some reviews on the iTunes store or iPod, about the podcast, how wonderful it is. We haven't had a few in a couple of months, but so get out there and write those, those reviews for us. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find the summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press that recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. Yeah, you forgot. I forgot to tell you while I was, um, I started populating some um, the other app store dot com with apps choices, just based on what we've, we've had in our pick so far. So mm -hmm. yeah, because you had suggested using it to um, to similar to the way that the Natasha the robot do theirs and um, Brian Gillum does his to create a spot where we aggregate things. Isn't that what you were saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we talked about it the same podcasts or probably in the after show kind of thing yeah. where it's like, you know, I took Apple to task for look, I, App Store games, you don't need to let people know about Angry Birds and Minecraft. Everybody knows about those. Yeah. And if you just open the App Store app, um, you can see them right yeah. on the front page. Yeah. yeah. Right. It would be nice. I understand they have to, you know, be political and, and make sure that everybody's happy. And you sure give give some some love to electronic arts and all the other sure. big boys, but Spend a lot of time helping the the smaller folks out, right? It doesn't have to be super independent developers. It's like, hey, look, here's this game we yeah. found. It's really good that people may not have heard about. Yeah, check it out. It's awesome. It's great.
and the, I think you and I had talked about the fact that the the other app store could be that sort of thing, right? So sure, I don't necessarily have to give the love to, you know, even something relatively large for an indie like uh, Tweetbot that everybody will know about. It could be, yeah. hey, here's so and so's app, you know, friend of the show kind of thing that we like. Go check it out. Well, so after sixty episodes, we've had you know roughly fifty or so picks, right? So. I just started doing quick uh, quick clips of it. If you go to the other app store dot com right now, you'll see what I've done so far, right? Uh, and I've just been putting them Let's in, see, in the order other so. dot com. Do, do, do. Magpie, what's this? What's this app all about? <laughs> <laughs> so we get in process. Hey, scales and modes is sure on there. I'll have you know. What's that? Scales and modes is on there. I'll have you know twice. Yeah. For sure. Oh, nice. It was, it was one of our first. Wait, where is it? It's on page. You have to go to page three because it's it's in order that page we, three. It's in the order that we talked. Is there no specific order? They're just you know. Actually, oh, man, I don't you need to change how to layout. change pages. How do you? Okay, oh. I see it now. Oh so, yeah, the so, next page is are, really did you find hard widgets. Find. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, this is. I just threw this 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 theme together yesterday, so I'll I'll probably make it so you can keep scrolling, right? And I think that was when we were first talking about first talking about, it, and then it was I think it was shortly thereafter we talked about you doing that price experiment, right? So, ah, yeah, yeah. So I got swing copters on there too, right? So, I'm, I'm, I'm not being judgmental, right? That's the all whole right, point right. of the other app store. <laughs> I actually did get a, a comment, an app store comment, saying, "Hey, I heard about this app on the more than just go to come no uh, way. podcast." Wow, cool. yeah, nice. And they gave me five stars. So, yeah, so, like so a friend of mine, um, uh, Cesare, is doing uh, Cesare uh, in Italy. Uh, he's He's called PodRover.com, and he's so he's created a service where you can sign up and you can put the link, the App Store link to your uh, iTunes um, show, and he'll actually it goes through really quickly and aggregates all the reviews from around the world. So that's where I found that big long review about the, the guy who totally didn't get our sense of humor, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, and it's it's like we've had like you know. I don't know, sixteen, seventeen reviews, and they're all five star except for this one. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, he was going, it was funny, because uh, it, it actually says... Um, I think he sent it to me, or a snippet of it, I think he might have sent me a snippet. Yeah, he kind of sort of said, uh, like he, he went on about how Aaron just goes on and on and on and on and on, and we never let that, you know, Dr. Mark Rubin talk, I mean, he's got the PhD and everything like that, and <laughs> the problem is you can't go back to these people and sort of say, you know, like, we never let you talk, Mark, that's the problem, we're always we're always monopolizing yeah. the conversation. And Why are this... Oh, this is a Canadian store. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, the links ah, are okay. the links are probably. I was getting wrong. confused. It's like, why did Mark make this two twenty nine? That's a weirdo price to choose. Oh, did it switch over? Switches it to the Canadian. Yeah, I gotta I gotta figure out how to get the uh, the CA in the US out of there. Because I think if you take that out, it uh... oh, it takes you to the Canadian app store. That's pretty. Yeah, useless. it's it just because <laughs> 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 I will script it so it will automatically change it. Holy cow! These are just these are just quick WordPress WordPress posts right now. So. No, I was just confused because you look at Apple's uh, iTunes uh, store, so the the web version that I'm looking at here, and it's not obvious at all that you're in the Canadian store until yeah. you look at the URL and say, "Oh, okay, yeah, ACA." Yeah, yeah, like usually they should put like maple leaves on this or something. There is a Canadian leaf at the very bottom right hand corner if you look. Oh, See, you, guys, you, guys, you guys, you guys, the fold though. It says Canada English. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. but you guys in Tanzania, you don't realize that that the rest of us are looking in at you guys, right? <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing, right? Well, that's what did, I mean. Like, did you see the? Uh, did, I don't. I don't watch South Park. South Park too much, but they 
they had one last week that was yeah. actually I saw part of it that was actually really good. Yeah. Um, so it it's all about uh, uh, there's all this suddenly there's all this Canadian immigration yeah. to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and then of course the kids have to figure out why, right? And it turns out that it's because. Canada elected their version of Donald Trump to be the prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone had to was fleeing the country. And, and Canada built a wall. That was a really good episode. I, I, I oh, watched that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you ever see the, you ever see the movie that they did, the South Park movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, they had, uh, was it Terrence and Philip or the Canadians yeah. or whatever? And they, they did the Canada, whole Blame, blame Canada song. song. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I set that one to play when I drive to Canada. <laughs> it's a very short song. It's only like a, a few minutes, so you can play it before you get up to the border. It's just fine. That's funny. There's a, there's another movie, um, um, John Candy movie called Canadian Bacon, I think it's called. Yeah. You should check that one out if you ever get a chance. It's all about... I've seen that, but that was, I mean, probably 25 years ago, I think. I saw yeah, it, oh, yeah, right? well, John Candy's yeah. been around for a yeah. long time, yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. As, as there's, uh, you guys know who Randy Bachman is, the guy from the Guess Who. Do you, sure. You familiar with him? Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah, exactly. Guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, for that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he does a thing where he he talks. He does a every. He has a show up here called Vinyl Tap, and he tells a story about um, you know touring as the Guess Who when they were first starting touring, and they used to get like gigs for to drive down to Texas and get five hundred dollars, and they would get they would load in the van and drive down, and they would barely make enough money to pay for the gas and the trip and one time they're crossing into the into the um crossing the border and they stop at the gas station and they see there's like a conscription office down the down the down the road and they see all these guys lining up to go in and they said to the guy serving the gas he says what 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 are they doing over there and he goes well he says it's mandatory you have to stop over there they're conscripting everybody who's young enough to go and fight in the war if you know if you're in the united states you're eligible to be drafted and thrown into go fight go fight in vietnam and he says, if I were you, I would just turn your van around and go home. And he said, and that's literally what the song Running Back to Saskatoon is all about. Because huh. so, <laughs> they basically turned around and went home. I see here. So, you know, I never really thought about the fact that they're from Canada, but that makes the song American Woman make a little bit more sense. Yeah, now. for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah there's, there's actually, um, he's got a, a video. If you ever up here, I'll... <coughs> But he he did a video of, of the whole thing talking about how the guests how the guests who got their name and you know all this sort of he's he's basically played around you know all over the United States and he he knows tons of musicians so if you're into music at all it's a really cool thing. Oh by the way, speaking of really cool things, have you seen the um, the Keith Richards documentary that just came out? No, I haven't seen that yet. Was that the, it's on I think it's on Netflix and it's called oh, okay. Under the Influence. So he he did a book. I mean I'm not a huge Rolling Stones fan. We. Yeah. We play their music in our band, so that's the only reason I know about them. But um, and I've never I've never seen them play live. I saw them play one of those IMAX movies a little while ago, um, and so you got to see how he actually plays guitar and stuff. He's a very interesting guy. But it's, it's all alternative tunings. Yeah, but it's what's yeah. really cool about it is if you watch this this uh, this documentary, it's very short. I think it's like maybe ninety minutes long. And it's basically a guy talking to him while he was working on his latest album, which just eventually just came out in, in um, uh, middle of September there. And it's amazing how good a musician he is. He, he starts playing um, on a piano and he's playing like, you know, um, sort of a boogie woogie thing from blues thing on piano and, and amazing musician, like uh, just to sort of see and, and to sort of, you know, because you sort of think about, you know, there's the whole lore behind Keith Richards and all that kind of stuff, right? So it's going to outlive the cockroaches and stuff like that. And, um, you know, what kind of a world are we leaving? Keith Richards is the joke, right? Um, 
but yeah, it's really if you have a chance to watch that documentary, I really highly recommend. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, mm. for sure. All right, boys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.